Are you looking for something different to entertain your kids? Check out a new podcast for children. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, is a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. Math is geared towards kids six and up, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. I love how the episodes are under 20 minutes, which was perfect for our drive to school. And my four-year-old really loved the episode, The Pirate Queen. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and so much more. New episodes drop every Thursday, and I love how engaging, funny, and educational the episodes are. Your kids won't even realize they're learning about math and problem solving. My son even said he wanted to finish the episode on our drive home from school. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. In cosmetics, there's this push for natural and a push against synthetic Mm -hmm fragrance. So people view essential oils as the natural, quote unquote, safe, which is contentious, may or may not be the case, likely isn't. The safer alternative for the synthetic fragrance in your products. And people are so scared about the catch-all phrase fragrance that they don't know what's in it. That's a large topic that I'm happy to dig into more but they feel safer with this essential oil that they view as safe. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Pete's Doc Talk podcast. This podcast continues to grow because of you and your reviews. So make sure if you love this episode today that you write a review, call out our guests because it means so much to us and this platform for it to continue to grow. On this episode today, I am welcoming Jen. She is a cosmetic chemist, science communicator, and founder of the EcoWell, which is a platform that really debunks misinformation about skincare products and so much that is out there on skincare and cosmetics. But I'm just so excited to talk to her today about essential oils. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. So this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart because as a pediatrician, so many parents want to talk about alternatives to traditional medicine. You know, um, for a while on Facebook groups and parenting groups, essential oils are like the cure-all for a lot of people. And as a physician and talking to uh, someone who's a cosmetic chemist and science communicator, there is obviously some concerns I have about that. Now, before we get into the importance of this discussion, tell me more about yourself and your platform, why you created EcoWell. Yeah, sure. And I will say I share these concerns about essential oils, uh, which we'll talk about. But yeah, my name is Jen. I am a science communicator and cosmetic chemist. I have for close to a decade now been working as an independent chemist for smaller brands to help them develop formulations for market and help them ensure regulatory compliance and navigate through safety substantiation. I have kind of niched myself in around sustainability substantiation, which sustainability, substantiation, management, and auditing. So that's kind of what I do for uh, my consultancy. And I also am a science communicator. I have a podcast of my own. I interview scientists from around the world about all things cosmetics for people who are really into the nitty gritty science, the details of your cosmetics. I know it's a little bit of a niche. Uh, I also have 
uh, free e-panels on my website. I'm very active on Instagram and yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I love it. It's such an important thing because especially, I know we're not talking about quote unquote clean beauty on this episode, but there is such a modern movement on vilifying a lot of the products in skincare products um, for children and for adults. And we chose to talk about essential oils just on this episode because of how important it is and how much I hear parents talk about it. So what you do is super niche, but super important. So thank you so much for joining me. And, you know, we're talking about the popularity of essential oils, but also some of the risks behind it. Why do you think they've become so popular? I mean, I know you're not obviously a physician or understand all this other stuff, but from your understanding, what has become like this essential oil, you know, being put on a pedestal um, for so many treatments for people? Yeah, I think there's two factors. In cosmetics, um, so maybe I'll start there. There's this push for natural Mm -hmm. and a push against synthetic fragrance. So people view essential oils as the natural, quote unquote, safe, which is contentious, may or may not be the case, likely isn't. The safer alternative for the synthetic fragrance in your products. And people are so scared about the catch-all phrase fragrance that they don't know what's in it. That's a large topic that I'm happy to dig into more, but they feel safer with this essential oil that they view as safe. Alongside that, you have the growing trend of like the supplement sector Mm -hmm. and people opting for natural remedies, the growing uh, trend for aromatherapy. And I really think what really catapulted the essential oil space was doTERRA and Young Living. Mm-hmm. Catching, especially um, like moms who had an audience within their communities to go and talk about essential oils and talk about purported health benefits. And like there has been some shady things that have happened that really are not compliant to regulations, which is a large topic in there in itself. But now there's all of these messages online from these MLM reps Mm -hmm. to the everyday person about essential oils will cure all, will fix. I mean, I've seen it all. I've seen things go so far to say essential oils will cure cancer, uh, things like that, but they're just like up on social media. So that certainly was a part of the trend. So I would say those three points. And obviously like there is also a growing body of evidence related to essential oils. There's a lot of interest for the use of essential oils therapeutically. So that's also a part of that. And I think it's a really interesting space in research. It's really great to see, but Alongside, there's also some shady things that have just elevated essential oils to what they are today. I will say also, you're intriguing me, but you're intriguing me by the way with this with the shady stuff that's happening. I want to know more, but yeah, like no, but you're right. Like, sorry to cut you off because I think it's just such an important thing that we understand where it comes from and all the marketing behind it. But um, yeah, I'm very. If you want to elaborate, you can. If not, no worries. But yeah, please go on. Well, the shady things that are happening that. Well, these products are technically uh, cosmetic products. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that means that they must comply to cosmetic regulations. And so so brands cannot make therapeutic claims. Otherwise, it'll render the products a drug. 
So mm. saying something will cure cancer, yes. prevent cancer. I've seen people talk about cinnamon essential oil being like an alternative to metformin, mm. things like that. I've seen it all. Like <laughs> those are drug claims. And so the brand itself shouldn't put this information in any of their consumer facing literature. Now, like these MLM reps are also consumers. So there's some really gray area because I've seen the literature from doTERRA and Young Living giving this information to the reps, and then they go out and put it out into the zeitgeist. So these claims are illegal. And so the reps are first accountable for the claims that they're making related to the products in the same way that if an influencer on social media is talking about a cosmetic product and making mm -hmm. all these therapeutic claims, they are also on the hook. If so, like regulatory authorities can catch them and like hold them accountable, realistically, it's going to be more on the brands. Um, so brands are also by having these claims out there by their MLM reps or influencers, but MLM reps in this case that are non-compliant to the regulations, they can be caught up and they could get into, they could get into trouble for the claims that are illegal. So that's the shady area. They are like full stop illegal. They should not be making these claims. And I see that all the time. I mean, you're perfectly right how the marketing kind of goes, which is scary for, you know, from the medical side is what you just said, you know, this is a cure for cancer, but not only are they saying, just say, use another example, like this is a cure for, you know, whatever, this is my, a cure for my child's asthma, just giving an example. Okay. And then they vilify other medicines that are actually stuff that pediatricians or, you know, pulmonologists may prescribe and say, this is toxic for your child, but look at my product. This is something really great. Buy it here. Use this link. And I see so much of that marketing on social media. I see so much of that sort of, you know, natural living and they put a little emoji of like a leaf, you know, and I'm like, what is this natural living? I mean, we all, we all kind of live in nature. I don't, I mean, it's such a movement. Um, and again, these kind of buzzwords kind of with the clean beauty, which is what we mentioned earlier that it's like, are you really natural? I mean, there's no way unless you're living in the woods and, you know, sourcing your own food and, you know, hunting, not everything is really natural. So it's extremely frustrating because of the claims. And, you know, from a physician standpoint, like I said, I've, I mentioned Facebook groups when they go on and talk about, hey, your child has the flu. Yeah. Don't worry about, you know, taking X, Y, and Z or listening to your doctor. Here's an essential oil to take. Now I will say, cause I think it's important. And I know you, we're not going to talk about real benefits or anything, because there really is no literature to support benefits of essential oils. I have used essential oils in the past, but for nothing any very serious. I mean, I've used it as an insect repellent and I've used it as a pediatrician for children with anxiety that were older as a smell, right? Like to smell it because it can kind of, as a psychosomatic sort of psychological placebo effect kind of help with um, relaxation, but it was never used for treating physical ailments or things like that, you know? And that is what the concerning thing is, is that we don't know, you know, and I think you can agree that there is no scientific literature, like you said, to support any safety or efficacy, correct? Yeah. Well, I will say the evidence to support its use topically, and mm -hmm. that's the research that I'm most familiar with is limited. Yeah. There's a few pieces of evidence here and there. I just pulled up before jumping onto this, what I was late for, just to <laughs> see what the level of evidence is right now. 
Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. So there has been a study comparing benzoyl peroxide and tea tree. This was back in 1990. So bear in mind, this is quite old and it was comparing 5% tea tree oil and 5% benzoyl peroxide. And both had uh, impact for reducing inflamed and non-inflamed acne lesions. Now, like a challenge is 5% is a very high usage for essential oils. And so when you're using them at such a concentration, then you run into risks of allergenicity and irritancy. But this was back in 1990, and I haven't seen that compelling of evidence since then. And then I'm also looking at a review, looking at the effect of lavender essential oil on wound healing. So there is Mm -hmm. a potential impact for improving wound healing. Now, like There's also an impact with like allergenicity and irritancy. So there's that. There's also many other proven ingredients that have a lot more compelling research, in my opinion. There is research on various essential oils. Right now I'm looking at lemongrass essential oils for uh, fungal treatment. Now, bear in mind, these would fall under the umbrella of drugs. So like... A lot more research needs to be done for them to like make any of the claims because the issue is like 
a lot of these studies are using high concentrations that wouldn't be sustainable on a long-term basis due to irritancy and allergenicity issues. So there is a limited amount of research, but there are other ingredients with far more evidence to support them with a lot less from what I can gather risks associated with them because by nature, and we can get into this when we start to talk about risks, essential oils tend to be irritating and like potential allergens, like not to mention there are other risks associated with essential oils, but to answer the question, there is a limited amount of evidence, but in my opinion, not compelling enough to gravitate towards essential oils over more tried and tested ingredients. Agreed. You know, I know I'm, I'm bringing more of the medical aspect um, and you're bringing the science aspect, which I totally love um, that we can bring this together. And I do have a lot of families who like truly believe that it helps with their child's cough. Like they put it in the room as like a diffuser. And with that comment, I think we can segue into risk. You know, one of the biggest things from a medical standpoint is we don't know how a younger child's respiratory system is going to respond to essential oils being diffused in an environment. So I have to always say to my families, I'm like, look, your child has young airways. Just say it's a one-year-old, just say it's a two-year-old. I don't know if they're going to respond well to an essential oil being diffused in the room. And that is a reality. Now that is a benefit risk that the family wants to take. They do their own research, whatnot, but that is one of the safety risks I see um, for younger children, especially, but also we just don't know. We don't know. There's again, not enough information, especially for my children with asthma, parents wanting to do, you know, diffusing of essential oils in the room. I always say, I'm like, look, like, how will we know? I don't want this to flare the asthma and go the other way, you know? And then um, you obviously don't have your albuterol and other medicines that are tried and true that actually can really help. So that is one of my biggest things, but I would love to hear more about your concerns with risks and, you know, what you hear about essential oils from the community in terms of concerns that we may see. Yeah. Like, I wonder if it would make sense to take a couple steps back, which it may clarify why some of these risks are there and talk about like, firstly, like what are essential oils and like, what do they do in nature? Mm -hmm. So like, what are essential oils? Uh, Well, they're like the aromatic volatile chemicals and aromatic plants, but they are like secondary metabolites that serve to protect the plant. And they vary from plant to plant, even within a same species from region to region, like environment, environments, the environmental stressors, should I say to environmental stressors. So these influence the chemicals so they can best protect themselves. And that protection may be things like making the plant toxic to predators. Like Mm -hmm. that is one of the ways. So like, so they help protect the plant and they are protecting the plant. They are not necessarily going to be good for us. They might actually be with that. Like this essential oil may be making the plant toxic to predators. It may also have a similar impact on us. So just for that back end, So for the risks associated with essential oils, well, we can start with inhalation. Like inhalation is a concern for us, for children and for pets. This is a really big issue. People don't realize that like, you also have to be aware of what your pets are, are inhaling and like pets can die from depending on the essential oil. So certain essential oils, depending on the aroma chemical profile may be toxic 
and especially toxic to pets and kids. And it's actually like kind of terrifying when I see MLM reps recommending eucalyptus for children. Mm -hmm. It's isoeugenol in eucalyptus is uh, toxic to children. <laughs> and like, and so this is a reason why if you go look at Vicks yeah. Vapor Rub, they opted to like not have isoeugenol while it might be in the adult option. I believe at some point it was, it's now more menthol based because isoeugenol is like a neurotoxin to children, especially. So like, yeah, that is one example of a potential risk. And this is one that is studied. There's so many compounds that may be understudied that we just don't know. Okay. So that's the inhalation concern. Personally, I don't use a diffuser. I don't use anything like that because I have pets and like, I just don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable exposing my pets to an unknown risk some essential oils may be fine, but honestly, I don't know. I don't know enough to feel confident that my pets will be fine. I don't have kids, but I have pets. And so, yeah. Uh, okay. So then you've got the topical risks. So essential oils also like the aroma chemicals in them are allergens and irritants, and maybe even worse, they might even be phototoxic. Mm -hmm. Many are like furacumarins that are in citrus essential oils. They will make you photosensitized and you may even blister and have a more severe reaction. So these are like, depending on the concentration that you're using, these are risks that you're exposing your skin to. Not to say that essential oils can't be used safely. I don't know enough. Oh, like I'll just come back to the inhalation thing because I'm sure there's some aromatherapist that is mad at me for saying what I've said. I don't know enough about the aromatherapy aspect, but with respect to the skin irritancy and allergenicity aspect, like the risks will vary depending on the exposure. Yeah. So if you're going to formulate a product with essential oil and use it at appropriate concentrations. And it varies depending on the essential oil. And actually like, just like an FYI for co the cosmetics industry, we have a fragrance association. The IFRA is the acronym, the international fragrance research, a maybe association. I may be wrong, but the acronym is IFRA. Uh, so they are a international body with uh, like a, whole slew of scientists that research fragrance and put together guidelines for industry, for various aromachemicals, for best usage to keep products safe and to reduce risks for various things. Because also like some aromachemicals are also like carcinogens. So like to reduce the risks based off of the best available evidence. And so they put out guidelines depending on the aroma chemical. And if an essential oil has said aroma chemical, then they have suggestions for ways to formulate essential oils into products to reduce risks, which then can be further safety tested for finished products. Now, this is the context of a finished product and not in an essential oil that a user is going to be getting a standalone essential oil. So like, yeah, the essential oils can be safely formulated with the right precautions, but like, this isn't going to be something that a, uh, someone at home is going to do. This is going to be, you are purchasing a product from a reputable brand who is following IFRA guidance that has done the right things to ensure that the essential oils have been safely incorporated into the formulation. It's very different when 
well, first I'll go to like the DIY maker stores that you may purchase products from who are just using too high of concentrations of essential oils, not within it for guidance. Maybe they don't even know who, like what IFRA is. And so then they're putting it at higher concentrations and those higher concentrations is where you start to run into issues. And now you get people at home, they have just the standalone essential oil. And I think that is a huge risk because like these to be safely used, they should be effectively diluted, but people have yeah. no idea. Yeah. People have no idea what that looks like. And like the cosmetics industry refers to IFRA and like, it's very specific depending on the essential oil. Like how is a at-home person going to navigate that? But when you're putting them at higher concentrations on your skin, you're just, yeah, increasing your risks of irritation and other things because some of the aroma chemicals in essential oils are like, for example, carcinogenic and allergenicity. So of the top allergens in the cosmetics industry, they are from natural aroma chemicals. They can be found in essential oils. And so like when you are putting essential oils, especially at too high of a concentration on your skin. Some people put it directly on their skin, neat, just like undiluted essential oil. Like you at home, please don't do that. Please don't do that. And especially don't do this to your children. Then you're increasing the likelihood that you're going to develop a skin allergy related to the exposure of this allergen. And you doing this to your child, (laughs) you're just going to set them up for potentially a skin allergy that they're going to have for the rest of their lives, maybe they might even get like a cute burn associated with essential oil. Like I see MLM reps talking about how they will put eucalyptus directly on the soles of their baby's feet. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. please don't do that. That is unsafe. And then we get into the recommendations of drinking essential oil. Oh yeah. We didn't like there is that. not enough evidence. <laughs> yeah. There's not enough evidence to support any oh. therapeutic effect, especially when you are the person formulating. I can see if you have some chemist who is referring to some guidance, scientific guidance to understand the like how to safely and effectively use these materials. Okay, that's one thing. But you at home doing this like we do not understand the immediate or long-term risks. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rash, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball. Let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC. That's P-E-D-S-D-O-C. Hey, are you loving the show? You're halfway through, so I hope that you are. 
This is a reminder that if you love the show, appreciate our guests, and want to continue to hear amazing conversations, to leave those reviews and ratings. Reviews and ratings are how a podcast continues to grow and reach more people. And the more people we reach, the bigger we can get and the more amazing free content we can provide for you. Yes, you may hear some ads like this one, but my goal is to be able to provide free and accessible health, development, and parenting content to you via the show. Leave a review and rating and update reviews after you hear a powerful episode. Thank you for tuning in. So like people will say, oh, I'm just going to put essential oils in water and then I'm going to drink it. And then like, you're not diluting your essential oils because like, think about when you mix oil with water, it does not dissolve together. Yes. It doesn't mix. So that oil yes. is just like undiluted. Yeah. Same goes for this essential oil. So you're just, what it's going to, when you drink it, it's going to be attracted to like, which is the fatty mucus membrane in your mm-hmm. throat. So you're just like potentially exposing yourself to this risk that may lead to like a throat burn. Like how much would that suck? But also you just don't know the risks, especially long-term. So like, why are you doing this? And then also why are these reps recommending it? So there's that. And then also like two additional risks outside of the fact that like inhalation, topical and internal, we don't really understand sufficiently, in my opinion, to safely use these materials particularly if it's us that are incorporating it, there is a real danger to at-home people who don't have the knowledge having these materials. But then there's the fact that there is a huge issue with adulteration from a variety of issues, especially like sustainability issues. People don't realize there, there are dire issues for sustainability for many of the central oils that are quite popular today. And so to alleviate those pressures, companies will adulterate and the quality control for many companies could be far improved. The second thing is the variety in chemicals, depending on the plant, depending on the region it's from. And so while say we have a really great understanding of this one specific essential oil, that's not going to apply to that same species grown somewhere else because there's so much variability depending on the environmental pressures. So yeah, hopefully I'm not coming across as a fear monger here, but I do think that It's really not great that people at home have essential oils, that this is accessible to them because there are these risks and these risks aren't well communicated. And the people who are selling these products just like don't know what they're talking about. And then also like the great unknowns based off of the lack of evidence. Well, that is exactly the concern is that we don't have enough information to say and agree with what people are saying from the marketing standpoint, right? Like if things were better regulated in the essential oil market, and I, you're agreeing that there should be better regulation because there's so many little shops and little organizations that are creating and coming out with essential oils, but we don't know, are they educating on how to properly use it? Do they even know how to properly use it? Or are they just, you know, pulling things out of there, you know, where we don't know those things. Like you're basically trusting a label that you don't know what's actually in it. Like, that's what I kind of see when something's not highly regulated, like the essential oil market is that I'm just, just using the young living as an example, right? You're trusting young living. You're trusting what people are saying, but do you know what's actually in it? And also do they have the research to back it up? Like they probably don't safety for children. How much do you put in a carrier oil? Like, you know, 
if you use essential oils, usually you mix it, like you said, with some sort of coconut oil or some sort of oil, um, not water. Um, and then you put it on your skin. You do not ever put it on directly, just um, fresh, like you mentioned, um, for a risk of irritation. But do they know how to dilute it correctly for a child? No, like we don't know because there hasn't been any testing on children. Um, and I, I'm assuming so. I haven't seen any recently or ever. Uh, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. But that to me is the concern that I think parents have. Like, I don't think this came off as fear mongering at all. I think this is very important information in the safety world. As a pediatrician, I do believe that parents can make their own choices, but be informed. And I think this conversation is extremely informative. Like I don't use essential oils on Ryan, even though I've used it on myself in the past for, like I said, insect repellent, da, da, da. Um, but I don't use it much now that he's, you know, in my life. And like you said, like with your pet, right. We don't use it much in the last, you know, three years. Um, because I'm like, I don't really know the safety and efficacy for him. I don't want to overwhelm his respiratory system. And so that is a choice that I make. Now, uh, the problem I see from, uh, you know, social media and being a physician is that where people are getting the information, right. So many people, are getting information from the wrong places. Like we've talked about earlier, people who are saying that this is unsafe, but my essential oil is the cure-all, is gonna fix this. This is what fixed my child's eczema. And this is what fixed this. I'm like, uh, I don't know if that sounds right. That you know, And I see so many non-medical science people touting the benefits of essential oil. And that concerns me. Like you can say, hey, look, there's a risk here. There's a risk here. I need you to understand that there is a risk with all of the things that we're talking about in a market that's not regulated, kind of like the supplement industry. We can have a whole conversation about that probably, but it's important to understand that you are really using this, understanding the risks. And if that's worth it to you and you really feel like it helps go for it, but it's something that you really have to think about. And the problem with modern parenting is that so much of what we do is what other people are doing, and especially on social media. So everyone's so easily influenced by influencers, not to be repetitive with the word of like saying, oh, this is what really works. And I don't, maybe I'm not following the right people or the people are, I am following the right people, but I'm not seeing as much of the promotion of essential oils on social as I did five years ago. I don't know if you agree, or maybe we're just not following the people who promote it, but five years ago, I would say that it was very heavy like young living, like I saw it everywhere, but now I'm not seeing it as much. Do you see that? Or maybe we're just not following the people that are promoting it. Yeah, I will agree. I haven't been seeing it as much, although I have seen that sales have gone upwards throughout okay. the pandemic. There we go. Okay. Uh, so like, especially in the early days of the pandemic, yeah. there were so yeah. many people, so many people that were talking about the use of essential oils for, uh, well, firstly, like as like COVID production. So, uh, oh, or prevention. Yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah, there's that, but then also to make sanitizers, which is also like hugely, hugely problematic. I know that, um, both doTERRA and young living had sanitizer recipes that their reps were going around and then going around talking about how toxic, sanitizers yes. are now like actually them putting out these recipes that were endorsed by doTERRA is also like illegal now uh, because the, like then they are wrapping up what they're saying as a drug claim and sanitizers are regulated as drugs yeah and also there are specific formulations that are demonstrated to work and therefore are approved 
Oh yeah. But I will say I haven't like, this has actually kind of surprised me this conversation because it has essential oils past like fragrance safety for skincare has kind of fallen off my radar in the last, especially year, I would say Mm -hmm. I never see it on social media. I never really see the doTERRA and young living reps that were always in my feed. But what my theory for this is, is the changes in social media algorithms for like the algorithm and how it is kind of funneling everyone into their own echo chambers. So I do think that both of us are in our own echo chamber of like-minded people, which like, honestly is probably healthier for us, but it means that we're not reaching these other people and they're not reaching us. Well, it may feel good to not have these people in our, on our feed. Um, yeah. Getting mad or saying stuff that may be really concerning and like keeps you up at night thinking about, I do think that they're still there. I just think that the algorithm is kind of hiding them from us. That makes sense. No, I I agree. And as I asked the question, I was like, maybe I just don't see them because I also don't follow a lot of people on my professional page. So that would make sense. Um, But just, you know, even in my Facebook groups, um, Facebook community, like my Facebook that I've had, and I just recently went back on to just look at everything. I was like, oh, I don't see as much of it, but you're right. I think it definitely is just um, who we're listening to. And this is a really important conversation because everyone has been kind of asking like essential oil thoughts, like, what do you think? And I, again, I've said it before. I do believe that there are concerns that we have to be very open about. And you mentioned a few, many, actually, Um, one of the biggest ones is the respiratory concern as a physician and also people just putting it directly on the skin, the irritation that can cause the skin absorption. Like we don't know how much of that is being absorbed into the thin skin of a child, similar to how we use other skincare products like sunscreen. Like we want to follow the directions, you know, but that's all regulated. Like that is all like, you know, we look at all that, but this is like, how do we know? Like, I don't know, you know, so I really appreciate this conversation. Yeah. um, This was my pleasure. Like, I would just say, like, I am very conservative. If you want to experience essential oils, I would purchase from reputable cosmetic companies who formulate essential oils into their products, who comply to IFRA guidance, because that's going to be very hard for you at home to be able to do that. So like opting for a finished formulation rather than purchasing the essential oil, I think that probably is a better route. While you may be able to go and dilute it's really easy to overdo it. Like, I don't want to seem like an elitist here, but it is like complicated. There's so much complexity and variation from essential oil to essential oil. That is going to be very hard for you at home to minimize your risks. Now I am very conservative. So if you are going to use essential oils, then yeah, just at least dilute them in oil. Yeah. Like preferably below 0.5%, which is going to be hard for you without a scale, (laughs) without a scale that can measure under 0.00 grams, because like the drop method is really not super accurate because Mm -hmm. drop sizes vary from essential oil to essential oil. (laughs) So yeah, I would still gravitate towards finished products, but like, yeah, please don't put essential oils directly on your skin and please please don't put this on your children's skin. Yeah. Gosh, don't do that. Yeah. And my final is also just the diffusing. Um, it's risky to me. Like still people ask and I'm like the diffusing in a room when your child is sleeping in that room and you know, you're going to bed and have just 
aromatherapy. Even like people ask me about Vicks, you know, I actually use Vicks on myself, like the adult Vicks and I use baby Vicks on my son. I think it's phenomenal. Like the non-eucalyptus or not, you know, like what we were talking about earlier, but I don't know something about diffusing that strong of a scent in a room with a child doesn't sit well with me. Like, I just feel like their lungs are like, you know, developing and I don't, I would hate that they spasm. Like, I just think I'm, again, I could just be a little more conservative on that standpoint. And I'll be honest, like, I know we haven't talked before. I am a little easygoing compared to like, I do believe in more of a middle ground, but there are some things in medicine that I'm like, Hey, look, like, I just want to be honest here. Like, I don't know how your kid's going to react to it. So this is again, just super helpful. And I really appreciate you saying about the IFRA guidance. That's actually something I didn't know about, you know? So it really helps for me. That's why I love having guests like you on my podcast, because I learned something too, that I didn't know before. So that will help me in giving some guidance to my families as well. Yeah, my pleasure. And so I want to have you come back on again. I've mentioned this already that I would love to talk about clean beauty, sunscreen, skincare products for children. I mean, there's so much that you do, but where can people find you to get more information? I know you give so much information on your platform, your Instagram and your podcast, but if you can just tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, you can find me. I'm most active on Instagram and my handle is the eco. Well, all one word. You can also find my podcast. If you go anywhere, you can download podcasts and search the eco well podcast, uh, three words, four words. Should I say, if you're interested in the nitty gritty, and then I also have a website, which is the eco Perfect. And I'm going to be linking all of this to my show notes. And again, if you found this helpful, you have to make sure you share it on social media, tag EcoL Jen there, as well as myself um, on your stories and also leave a review to shout her out and um, her important information. And thank you again, Jen, for joining us today. That was my pleasure. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review, share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.